Welcome once again to the Brattlecast. We love getting together and talking with you about books, rare and out of print and in print and books that you collect and the people who buy, sell and uh, collect and swap and trade and enjoy books as much as we do. I say we, it's Jordan Rich here, of course. I'm just the guy who asked the questions of Ken Gloss, the proprietor of the world famous Brattle Bookshop. It is world famous. Yes. If you if say you, it is, it if is. If you insist, absolutely. <laughs> and besides, podcasts are worldwide and even beyond. Well, I know that we have some listeners in Africa. My daughter's there. No. She makes other people listen. Absolutely. And, and no, ab- absolutely. It is worldwide. And it's just the way things have changed from print books and so on. And that's that's sort of what makes all of this a lot of fun. Well, we're here recording this just about the start of the holiday season. So you have brought along some goodies that we'll talk about. And I guess the first holiday that we have to focus on is the the good one that everybody loves and gets sated on, and that's Thanksgiving. So what do you have for us in terms of Thanksgiving treats? Well, first of all, one of the things, it is my favorite holiday. I just love it. It's family getting together. Uh, we sometimes have 25 or 30 people come over our house and put on a big Thanksgiving, sometimes employees at the store, yeah. sometimes friends, family. And what I, one of the things that I love about it is it's just getting together. There aren't the presents. There isn't the pressure in that way. Also, when you host it, you have all the leftovers. <laughs> <laughs> That's a very good point. No, it is, it is, uh, Lincoln, I believe who created it, uh, officially, during well, the Lincoln administration? Yeah, actually, well, of course, the first Thanksgiving well, was the, the, the Sixth of Pilgrims in 1620. But George Washington in the late 1780s had Thanksgiving and declared it and had proclamations. But it really wasn't until the 1860s that Lincoln mm. formalized it as a holiday, uh, making it a national holiday. And then it evolved a little through the years uh, into what it is now. And, and generally, it's the last, uh, it's the third Thursday in th- right. uh, this month, usually the last Thursday. And one of the things I realized when I thought about doing this podcast was anytime you take a holiday, something as big as Thanksgiving, I could talk about items that, you know, sort of old, rare, 17th century, say, or I could also, I just went through a, a little file I had, and I started pulling things out. Now, everybody thinks about Christmas cards, birthday cards, but in the 1890s, they and right around then, they had postcards mm. that were Thanksgiving cards. Wow. And and they were just, some of them were elaborately, beautifully done. Uh, one of them, uh, it has the red, white, and blue for American flags. It has uh, items on the card. So that's a whole area of collecting, that you can collect the uh, cards, the ephemera, the items that go with it. And this, these cards probably, uh, I know the man who collected them originally, probably he was paying 25 cents, 50 cents. Now they might be Three to five dollars. The the years of these roughly. These are around the uh, nineteen hundred, okay. right at the turn of the last century. They uh, probably eighteen ninety nineteen hundred in that range. What's really great about these, Ken, is they're well over a hundred years old, and the color is still bright and preserved. Well, they weren't ever up in the in the bright sunlight yeah. and and keeping them. They were them. well protected. So 
you know, that's one thing. The other thing, when I remember when I was younger, uh, one of the things, of course, Thanksgiving days, you always went to the football game. That's right. Uh, now, I went to Boston Latin, so it's was the oldest. Latin English was the oldest uh, competitive uh, game. I think it, uh, matter of fact, I wrote it down so I'd remember. It started in 1883, mm. the Latin and English game. So I would go to the game, I'd see it, and then I'd go over to my grandmother's house, which is part of the Thanksgiving, but also one of the oldest Thanksgiving football uh, games was the Harvard-Yale. And I just happened to have a program from the 1890 Harvard-Yale oh, football game. This is incredibly interesting because, first of all, it's creative. It's in the shape of a football. Shape of a football. Wow, and, and 1893. 1893, and, and you go th look through it, and it gives you the uh, a lot of, you know, what sports were like in the 1890s. First of all, the thing that hits you right off the bat is where the game apparently was, Springfield, Massachusetts. Springfield, Massachusetts. Probably a lot easier for Yale to get there. Sure. Well, and you got all the teammates listed just like any other yeah. program. There are photographs, black and white photographs. This is where history comes alive. It, it And, you know, and what really caught my eye when I first got this. I, I bought it in a large collection of old ephemera and paper goods and all that. And then I'm going through them. One's a football. And I'm going, what is that? And, uh, you know, then it was uh, the Harvard-Yale uh, football program. And I just decided to keep it because I like it, pulling it out. It's really remarkable to take a look at what they wore or didn't wear playing hard Scrabble football. They uh, and you can imagine what the uh, what it did to your body. More like rugby than football. Much more so. And you know, it's it's mm. interesting because even at that time, if you got a rainy day and you went down and there was no face guard on the helmet, you know, you could be down in the mud with your face down there. But they they somehow survived it. Uh, also, football was almost banned in America back in the Roosevelt. Teddy Roosevelt, because of the dangers and the... Uh, this this particular program also has the rules of the game listed. Well, I mean, not everybody knew what football was. Exactly. Uh, and, and, of course, and then it became sort of the tradition, and, uh, and that's a lot of fun. And then the real event of Thanksgiving uh, <laughs> is the dinner. And, well, I was waiting for you to get to that. Oh, one of the things I didn't bring <laughs> with me, but I... I one time was looking forward to Thanksgiving, and, and I was asked to do a talk uh, on sort of the holidays. And I thought a fun thing to do would be to see how cookies, uh, turkeys, not, well, I like cookies well, too, but, but how turkeys were cooked over the generations. And I found a cookbook that we had from the 1700s. I found one from the early 1800s, one from the later 1800s, one from the early 1900s, and one from the 1980s or so when I was doing this. And it was actually fascinating to read. We now, when we when we get a turkey, my wife likes to do it and she likes to get them from a naturally raised. Mm -hmm. So she signs up, a, a truck comes, they line up, they get the size they want, depending on how many people, and you have your turkey and you cook it. And there's a lot that can go into that. But back in the 1700s, a lot of the cookbook instructions were how to clean the turkey, mm. how to pluck the uh, the feathers. I mean, it was a job. It was a real job. Also, turkeys were much more gamey. The meat was more of a game bird than sort of the raised. But 
One of the things I never realized in when you're cleaning a turkey, don't pierce the gallbladder. If you pierce the gallbladder, you ruin the meat. Now, quite honestly, I never plan on cleaning a turkey. I <laughs> would say that's an unlikely place for me to be. But but then then the description in the cookbook is you get the fire heated up to a certain glow. In other words, you could tell the heat by the glow. You put it on a spit and you turn the spit slowly for hour after hour after hour and and you eventually you get it. That's that's in the 1700s. You get to the earlier 1800s, sort of a, maybe a little bit later, and you're starting to have stoves, either wood-burning stoves mm. Or sometimes a coal with a little bit later, and again, a lot of it was the glow, how the heat was, watching it, monitoring mm -hmm. it. But it was still something you had to watch very, very closely. Mm -hmm. You start getting to the later eighteen hundreds, and you're just beginning, first of all, to have refrigeration, so you could get the turkey ahead of time, a lot more advanced, and you could refrigerate it. But then it would go on to describe that you set the the temperature of the uh, oven. You, you had much more temperature control. Then skip to about the 1920s, uh, and you have Fannie Farmer's cookbook. I mean, that goes back too, but in, it would say X number of hours for X number of pounds for this is how you cooked your turkey and watch for the browning and, and et cetera. Then you get to the 1980s, again, when I first put this together, and you have a, a famous New England cook called Madeline Kamen, mm -hmm. and she says, it's so much better if you cook it over a spit. <laughs> it goes right back. <laughs> goes right back. To but the what, retro 1700s. It goes right back to the retro 1700s. Yeah. But one of the things about when you look into cookbooks, also the meal, the Thanksgiving meal, was al almost always like root-type vegetables, mm. potatoes, turnips, because that's what they had that was available then. Uh, nowadays, maybe also, too, you, uh, a lot of people do the turkey and they uh, deep-fry a turkey. Well, you, again, you need technology to do that. You need the hot temperatures. And a lot of when you get into old cooking, Thanksgiving, you not only are talking about the tradition, why this country first thanked giving, but how it changes. Also, how when you're looking at food, how the cookbooks tell you so much about the society, about how technology has changed and preserved food, how you feed people, what type of things were available in the mm. 1700s that are now available in the 2000s. And it's sort of, if you read it closely, it, it, it's a way of watching the advancement. And of course, uh, again, I love Thanksgiving. I love the traditions of it. But then in recently, you also realize that a lot of people can look at things very, very differently. Uh, a lot of the American, Native Americans now look at Thanksgiving. And in a way, I still love Thanksgiving. I still love the meal. I love the family get together. I love the celebrating the season. But you also say, yeah, I can understand that if you're on the other side of this, it maybe wasn't the, the greatest thing in the world. And, but that's part of what our country sure. is. I want to go back for a second. You talked about the gaminess of yeah. the meat. And, of course, in those days, you didn't have the kind of – you didn't have supermarkets. You had 
very few butcher shops per se. So oftentimes you were catching it yourself. Well, that, absolutely. I mean, that's the whole point. And also, uh, if memory serves from my school days, it wasn't necessarily turkey that was the mainstay on the pilgrim's table. Oh, no. They, I mean, they were they were on the seashore. Right. So they were a eating lo- a lot of fish. A lot of fish, a lot of shellfish. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also uh, would have, you know, uh, venison uh, and so on. So it really was what was available. But there were a lot of turkeys. I mean, and if you, quite honestly, if you go down to Cape Cod, you go down to the South Shore now, those turkeys are making a comeback. And they're not the easiest birds in the world world to deal with. Try dealing with them on a golf course. That's another thing. <laughs> exactly. By the way, there's one postcard that's really cool from about 1900. And as I look at this, the only thing I can think of is Norman Rockwell. It, it it's, it's very Norman Rockwell-ish, but it's a pilgrim carving his turkey with little kids around the table and a, an American Indian looking through the window. But well, doesn't that, it have a Rockwellian feel to oh, it? Oh, absolutely. And, and when you also think, uh, as I say, the traditions change. When you get into the uh, Franklin Roosevelt and the Depression and so on, the Four Freedoms and World War II, mm. that is Rockwell. And one of those is the family at the dinner table with you know, a dinner in Turkey laid that's out. And, right. and that's a very, very American thing. And that's, I think that's one of the reasons that we love it so much. And boy, I'm getting myself hungry. <laughs> you <need to> make <laughs> it. There's one more thing about turkeys, and, and I don't think this is apocryphal, but I believe it was Benjamin Franklin who suggested that turkey should be the American bird, the symbol. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, no. It, if you look at the old books like uh, Audubon and, and those, there's the turkey is one of the big birds. But uh, when the American bald eagle, which is, of course, the symbol of the country, yeah, Franklin was absolutely, it should be the turkey, and that should be the symbol of the country. I suppose you could argue it either way. Uh, I've, I've actually, another thing, it's interesting, turkeys are definitely making a comeback, at least if you're in the Boston, New England area. There are a lot of them. If you're in Alaska, if you're in places like that, the bald eagle is everywhere. I don't know how many people absolutely know Boston, but about two years ago, I was driving on Huntington Avenue where you come into Brookline Village. Mm -hmm. I had never really seen an eagle flying, Mm. but this was in about as urban a setting as you can get. I was stopped at a light and a bald eagle came flying over and my assistant was in the truck and I said, that's a bald eagle. So- I like bald eagles, but I assure you I'm not going to eat one on no. <laughs> Thanksgiving. But it also goes to show yeah. that almost any subject that you get into in American history, I could have done 15 different things in, on uh, Thanksgiving, I, but I love it. I will say this. The, the football program from the 1890s, shaped like a football, is as good as anything I've seen in terms of modern-day programs. I think it's fabulous. (laughs) Well, listen, we've got uh, more holidays. There's another big one around the corner, I believe. Uh, Do they have a parade for it on Thanksgiving Day? I believe Santa shows up and he may have something to do with it. Exactly. So uh, stay tuned, folks. It only gets better and tastier. You've been listening to a wonderful example of what we do here on the Brattlecast. And there, you take your cards. He's making sure that I don't keep the cards and send them out. By the way, the postcards in those days, what? A penny? Penny postcards. <laughs> and it, another interesting subject that I might do sometime is the evolution of greeting cards, postcards, and that's another 
whole thing for another another podcast. The idea, it's a cornucopia of ideas, Ken. Well, this, Bra- <laughs> everything. Brattlebookshop.com if you want to connect and uh, email us and, and find out more about the store and so much more. Thank you for listening. This has been the Brattlecast.